0: Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, I'm one of your co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm about to play a recording for you, um, where we got to go over to our Henderson campus and just set up a few microphones, there's no video today, it's just all audio, and record a conversation with our Women Advocating Recovery group. They had some questions, and they just wanted a place to sit down and ask them, so we had a panel, basically just take some of those questions and field them. We thought it'd be great to record them, because a lot of people have a lot of similar questions, and why not just be able to share that great content as well. So this group is amazing. They're doing a lot of amazing things in our Henderson community and happening at our Henderson campus. Um, So we have Brett Nicholson on that panel. Um, Josh Stanley, who's the Groups and Connections Director at our Henderson campus, and Rachel Farmer, who is a leader at our Henderson campus. And Rachel was just great, and I really enjoyed specifically being able to learn and hear from her, because it's the first time I've gotten to do that. So hopefully you guys will enjoy um, all of these conversation topics as well, and maybe it will just help you answer some things that you've been thinking about. Now, one place that you can go right now to be able to um, get connected and have a space to ask questions is Kickstart, which is coming up at every One Life campus pretty soon. You can go to One Life church.org slash kickstart register for a campus close to you and just be able to sit through that grouping experience and have a space to meet people and ask questions um, also if you have anything you want to ask right now you can email us at podcast at one life and we'd love to go ahead and have a space to answer some of those questions on the podcast coming up as well so here's a conversation with the war women group from Henderson campus
1: ready okay so the first question that came in there's actually two questions that were kind of the same so we're going to lump these two together and just let these guys talk about this so so the questions are there's a couple of pieces of this so what happens to us when we die is there life after death and is there a chance to see those that have passed on again one day and so the other question that that kind of ties into it where do we go when we die is heaven real and will my family know me
0: Come
2: to church next week. We're actually going to talk about that. That's it. Next. No. I'm <laughs> That's Our, it. But we we are going to talk about that. But okay. you going to take that? I've already talked. <laughs> do you want? I I don't mind taking it, but so uh, I, mean, it? I don't want to. I'll put some filler in. So where do we go? Because I'm kind of passionate. <laughs> Okay. I'll start and you guys chime in. Okay. Okay. Where do we go when we die? Just the whole question about death and heaven, and everything else. The reason I'm saying that we're going to talk about that next week is next week is going to be the last of the centered series. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay. That is the central truth of the Christian faith. Jesus literally physically died and literally physically was in a tomb and came out of the tomb and is alive to this day. That's the most fundamental belief, Christian faith. The beauty of it is it's something that you can investigate historically. There's books right over there where you can look into because it was a real actual event and there was a real tomb and a guy really did walk out, we can know it in the same way we know th- other things from history like uh, George Washington crossed the Delaware or, or Abraham Lincoln uh, you know, delivered the, the Gettysburg Address. You can know it in the same way you know other historical things. Now, the reason that's so important is because think of the implications of that. That means that death, number one, was defeated. And second of all, that it, it he promises, and this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Whoever answered this question or if you ever wonder about this, My personal opinion is the best chapter in the entire Bible in this entire question is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's an entire chapter on Jesus' resurrection, but most of it is about our resurrection. So the short of it is, number one, when we die, we believe we have a spirit, okay? You you have a spirit. It's not hocus pocus stuff. All it means is non-physical reality. There's a part of you that's not made of atoms and molecules. You're made of your intestines and your spleen, and you can talk to Dr. Rachel, Rachel about all those things. You're made up of those things, but that's not you. You're not your, you know, your brain and your stomach. You there's another you that unifies this. That's spiritual. So the first thing is, when you die, your spirit, the Bible says, will go to be with the Lord, and and this is in Philippians chapter one. It says that. Uh, to go and be with the Lord is better by far. So that's the first thing that happens, but that's phase one. What you're waiting for at that point, there's kind of this intermediate period, is your body, your literal physical body will be resurrected from the dead. And that's what 1 Corinthians talks about. So uh, in the same way, when you see Jesus in his post-resurrection appearances, uh, he says in Luke, uh, at one point he sits down, uh, it's one of my favorite passages because he says, um, he says, do you guys have anything to eat? This is after he's resurrected from the dead. Do you have anything to eat? Which I love that. It was the first thing he asked. He didn't do this big woo thing. He's like, you got any food? I kind of like a Big Mac right now. And, and he eats it in front of him. And the reason he does, and he says this, he says, you'll see that I'm not a ghost. In other words, I'm not o- only spirit. What's also going to happen to us after we die when the resurrection comes is you're going to get your body back. And some of you are very disappointed in that fact. But, uh, but you will, th- in theory, get it back the way it was always supposed to be without any kind of death in it, without any of that kind of stuff. And did you guys think, I don't want to do all these, but uh, did you guys think of the, seeing your relatives and all that sort of stuff? Because I can do that one. It's...
3: Oh. Um, I think... What I would kind of, because I kind of, these are things that I think about every now and then, but I don't think about all the time. And so, um, these questions are really great opportunity for me to like re-examine kind of what I thought about these things, and what did I just kind of believe after years of being in church, and like where did that come from? Um, So, um, in reading some about this question, one of one of the people who commented on this said, "There's no place in the Bible that says your memory gets erased," you know, meaning like so we don't really have any reason to think that we won't know people in heaven or that we won't see loved ones. Um, cause the Bible just doesn't talk about it like that. In fact, it talks about it more like being reunited, um, with God's family, with your, with your family in Christ. And so for me, it seems very hopeful that we will see people that we know or loved ones. Um, and then I think another thing about like trying to figure out like if, if heaven is real, um, You know, the book of Revelation is a lot about heaven and it describes a lot of what heaven looks like. And that's really kind of hard for me even to imagine. And so sometimes when I get all caught up in like what heaven's gonna be like, I try to think about more like what it will feel like. Um, And so in Revelation, like the same passage that Brett just referenced, it says, um, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And I think there's definitely times where we all can say that we are ready for the old order to pass away Um, and for a new order of God's perfection to be like what we get to live in, um, where, um, where we don't mess up and we get to live with God um, in perfect unity. And so um, sometimes I get real, you know, kind of confused on what heaven is like. Um, and so it helps remember like who is there in heaven and that's, um, that's getting to be with God. And I think we have every reason to believe that we, are, we do get to see people um, that we spent time with before.
4: So I don't have time to add to what both Brett and and Rachel already shared um, because it was all so good. But uh, today we kind of talked about the whole reconciliation thing. And I think that um, if you read in Genesis, we started out with this opportunity to spend... Like real time with God, like we were with God, and um, and so you know, just kind of to answer the question, what happens with what happens to us when we die? One of the like of the centered series, the Christ-centered worldview around that is that we believe that if you know, if we have that relationship with Jesus, then we kind of get that reconciliation, and we get to go back to that. And so when we die, we get an opportunity to kind of be how it was initially intended to be, and we get to be with. God and, and you know, like Rachel said, um it, it's really cool to think about seeing our relatives and things like that again um as well. And so I think just the whole idea of of a complete reconciliation and being able to, you know, share share those moments, share that time, be with God how we were always supposed to be able to, um, is just really exciting and really cool.
1: <clears throat> okay. So any other questions? Um you've heard their responses to that. Does anybody have any other questions kind of in regards to um heaven? Will we see relatives again? Yeah, go ahead. Um so I'm not pushing more, but in the Bible somewhere it says heaven is the S at the end. So does that mean that there's more than one? There's
2: twelve. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh when it when it says heavens, uh, there there is kind of some thought that the the way the Jewish people looked at it was like. They would define heaven as, first of all, the atmosphere around you is, is heaven number one, if you will. There's the outer universe is heaven number two in their mind. And heaven number three, because Paul says the third heaven, uh, he's talking about when we think of heaven, this other dimension where God is very obvious and those kinds of things. So sometimes it may be, it, it may be talking about that. Uh, but, so you can say it in the plural, but they would, they, they kind of talked in that way, but we don't typically do that. We've kind of separated out uh, the, the word heaven, if you will. Well, there's nothing in the Bible one way or the other about that, but there's a very cool book I read where uh, it was written by a philosopher that I respect, and he, he tells a great story that, that he, the whole thing is about life after death and why you ought to believe in it and logic around it. And he said, he tells this story that's documented, where a woman died on the operating table and her, her spirit had come out of her body, just like the Bible says, and she could hear her family talking, and her brother-in-law... Was they were all talking about the you know she saw the surgeon come out and say we lost her I am so sorry and all that, and her brother-in-law said, oh my gosh this is gonna blow my week I bet we're gonna have the funeral this and and, and kind of said something terrible like that, and the woman came back and is mad at him to this day you know and he actually did say that she so I'm gonna go with yes so if somebody passed away even if you didn't like them just kind of keep your mouth shut for a while. <laughs> going to say but yeah I, that, that's a documentary thing so it's not
1: only biblical advice also sound life advice too. <laughs> yeah that's right Just, yeah.
2: so possibly they can yeah that's yeah It implies it, I would say, but not, it never directly says you will be. Now, I happen to believe we will recognize people because of the, transfer, uh, the transfiguration of Jesus. It says Moses and Elijah were there, and how'd they know that? It doesn't say Jesus told them that, so possibly, I think it even goes beyond that. In some way, I'll know, because I don't know what Moses or Elijah look like, but possibly when I get there, I'll be able to go, hey, that's Moses and that's Elijah over there. Possibly. We don't know that. But I don't know that it says it directly. It implies it in 1 Thessalonians 5, I think, that when Jesus comes back, he's gonna bring with those who have died in him. So we, yeah, I, I have every reason to think that we would. And I don't know why we wouldn't, so.
1: Okay, any other questions before we move on to a different topic and we can always come back? Josh, you got something? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. So let me let me throw out one uh, that may be just a little bit more of a practical thing in a day to day life. So and I know you guys have done some things and are getting ready to do like Christmas meals and like have been in the East End, like handing out information and knocking on doors, inviting people to church. So I wanted to throw this one in there. So how do you approach someone outside of church to start a conversation about God? How do you approach someone outside of church to start a conversation about God? What's a good way to do that?
4: You're up, Josh. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, so uh, I, this may or may not answer the question directly, but um, I think that the very first uh, step towards having those conversations, because those can be difficult conversations, um, is almost has to be framed in relationship. Um, no matter what your your, your friend or family member or someone outside of the church who maybe you've invited and just isn't feeling it. doesn't believe what you believe, anything like that. The only way to really have those conversations is, is to start with a relationship. Um, and, and the whole series that we've kind of been going through over the last several weeks centered has, has kind of put for me personally, kind of put some really cool, um, language around some of those questions, because no matter what your friend, loved one, whoever it is believes, um, they, they are going to have answers to those questions. Where did we come from? Who are we? Those questions that we've been talking about, they have answers to those questions, whether or not they, they know what their answer is or can, can articulate it clearly. They have answers to those questions. And so having a relationship gives you opportunities to, um, just kind of engage that conversation. Like, well, where do you think we came from? And it, you know, it, it starts that conversation. It starts the, the thought process, uh, moving and so when you're you know having conversations whether it's in the east end whether it's out you know um with family uh, during the holidays thanksgivings coming up things like that um just having answers to some of those hard questions that everyone in one way or another is going to navigate um personally um is is an awesome way to to kind of share what you believe in a way that will eventually make sense um
2: you know based on what they're already asking themselves in their head. And it's, a, it's also a good idea it, it, getting to those things. Always think curiosity. I'm curious about you as a person. I want to know your story. And we said this on the podcast before, but I got, I got some training out in New York once where they said, uh, and they were talking about even debating atheists. And I know you're not necessarily talking about an atheist, but they said, always make sure you dig for someone's story before you start debating stuff, because you don't know why they are that. The most likely, they said, the typical atheist typically has a tragedy in their past somewhere. And they said, you want to know about that long before. and You want to know their story enough. So just be curious about people. And then on a practical level, sometimes you can say things like, do you have any church background? Did you grow up in church? What did you think of that? You know, and a lot of people will go, yeah, I did. And they were hypocrites. And they, you at least get them moving that direction if you ask. You, typically in our culture, if you bring up the church subject, they'll start, it'll start bending towards God a little bit. Any follow-up questions on that, about talking to people about
1: faith or God? Okay, cool. So a couple of questions around prayer. So I kind of want to shift gears to that a little bit just about prayer. So I'm going to read a few of these, and then uh, we'll come back and maybe answer them one at a time. So is there a right or a wrong way to pray? And why does it seem sometimes my life gets crazier the more I pray? And then kind of, a, <laughs> kind of another one on that line, too. If I don't ask God to forgive me first, is my prayer hindered? Or does he still hear me and answer? So if I don't ask God to forgive me first, is my prayer still heard? Is there a right, wrong, right or wrong way to pray? And then why does my life seem to get crazier the more I pray?
3: Well, first I want to say the reason I kind of chuckled when Randy read that first question where the person says, and why does my life get crazy when I pray more? Um, I was not laughing because that's a funny, um, like that's funny or I thought that's observed. I was laughing because um, um, I identify or have, felt that sometimes you know like you you kind of feel like what i am really trying to get it right here god and and then maybe it feels like things are falling apart or not going right or that like you're trying really hard to be patient and there's a 100 obstacles in your way that challenge your patience every day um i don't know that god necessarily works that way but um i was just giggling because you know that's sometimes how how it feels some days um So I think there's some great examples in the Bible of how to pray, and there's even some examples of like how not to pray. And so, you know, we're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Um, But even, I think it's in Luke where it's a little bit longer that he spends time about that. And even before he says the Lord's Prayer and after, there are things that just kind of pertain to like how we approach God and and just more about Jesus's thoughts on prayer. So I'd really encourage you to kind of look at that. one of the times that Jesus talks about prayer is when um, a person who considers himself a pretty good person and a pretty righteous person starts praying. Um, And he basically kind of basically says, Lord, thank goodness I'm not like these other people that, you know, aren't as good as I am. And it's, it's interesting the Bible says that he was praying about himself. And so, like, we don't we don't really have to tell God who we are. He knows, (laughs) you know, He's got all that. And so, um, sometimes, you know, I think it's more about um, like just trying to have a conversation with God about where we are. Um, And uh, the question was one about forgiveness, right? Like, if I don't ask for forgiveness first, what happens?
1: God forgive me first. Is my prayer hindered, or will my prayer be heard?
3: Yeah. So, I think my thoughts on that is that, like, first of all. I don't think it's kind of like like God is playing Simon Says up there. You know, I think there are definitely times where I start in prayer and I've launched into like my needs, my wants, my who wronged me and why I'm upset about it. And I don't think that the Lord's going, uh, 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 first take care of your business. Um, so I don't think it's like Simon Says, like Simon, Rachel didn't pray for forgiveness first. But, you know, we want to do things the right way. We want to honor God. And so I think we, we try to come up with an order or a way to pray that that helps us kinda check those boxes of what we need to talk to God about. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't think we ever need to fear that if um, if we didn't maybe do that first, that God's not hearing us. Because um, our salvation is secure in Christ. We are redeemed. And I think, you know, also being redeemed, we're redeemed day by day by coming back um, to the Father and having those conversations. Now, what I would say, like, I don't think that God doesn't hear you or that he wouldn't answer you, but I do think that when we carry around unforgiveness um, and when we don't bring those things to God, when we aren't like examining our own hearts or where we aren't like talking to God about the things that we're not letting go with other people, that that for sure stands in the way of our spiritual growth and of our ability to really minister and reach people around us and just like it help. It's hard to it's hard to like receive love um, when you're kind of kind of mad about stuff. And so I would say that like while I don't think that it's like you have to you have to ask for forgiveness before God can hear you. I do feel like um, that oftentimes it's easy for me personally to rush into all my needs and wants and not take that time to like just examine my heart before the Lord and ask the Lord. Like, what do, you, what do I need to deal with in my life? Like, what's standing in the way of my relationship with other people? So those are the thoughts I had on that question.
0: Well,
2: she she also mentioned the Lord's Prayer. And think about the order. If you know, you know, a lot of people know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And then what? Forgive us of our sins. So it's interesting what you know you're asking for your daily bread pre asking for you you get to the forgiveness thing it leaves it in there and it's funny it's a daily prayer and he just builds that in yeah you're going to need to talk about that daily but it's interesting that he has him uh has trains us to talk about even daily needs first in, in terms of the order of things going if that makes sense so anyway so i'm gonna
4: have to start answering early because i don't like to follow either of these guys um I, the one thing that I, I wanted to just kind of address is I've totally lived through the whole thing where like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm chasing, um, a deeper relationship with Jesus and, and I'm, I'm, I'm studying and I'm praying the way, you know, the way I'm supposed to. And, and it seems like the world falls apart. I, the car breaks down, the basement floods, I make my wife mad and, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on? And, and so I don't have any deep th- theological support for this so brett could jump in and, and and help me out on that if if needed um but in this worldview that we all hold um as a christ-centered worldview we one of our values here is that we say we believe in spiritual power that's why we pray we, we pray because we believe in spiritual power and in a world where spiritual power exists th- there has to be these things that are above us beyond us these forces that are you know imperceptible to us. Um, and my, the way I see that is that when I am getting close to some sort of breakthrough or when I am getting, um, when I'm making progress and I'm gaining ground, there is that opposing force that we may not be able to perceive that really doesn't like that. And so sometimes when things start to get a little, a little crazy because you feel like you're, you're really are pursuing, um, this relationship with Jesus, there's, there's a good, um, good. It's reasonable to believe that the reason that is because that opposing force doesn't want you to get there. Um, and, and I've navigated that this year. Uh, I've, I've seen things happen this year and I've, I've been thinking like, man, like this is, this is, I'm struggling. And, um, and I I always have to go back to in my head to say, you know, if I wasn't moving in the right direction, if I wasn't onto something, if I wasn't a threat to, that opposing force, then I'm, I'm not worth their time. I'm not worth the, the hassle. And, and so I just kind of press in, continue to pray and continue to, um, just kind of to chase that progress to pursue that relationship. And, and, you know, eventually there is, um, a breakthrough on the other side somewhere. Way to go, John.
2: You're, you're on good theological ground. Hey, look at that. Hey, six, that. <laughs> it talks about spiritual warfare. And I heard one person say, if you, if you remember that life is a war, it'll, it'll make a whole lot more sense to you. And I always kind of took that to heart. All right, so the next couple of
1: questions just really talk about um, kind of the same topic of what does God look like? So let me read a little bit of this. So what does God look like? How did God come about? Was was God ever in human form to create Jesus the way we do now? Then what happened to God's human form? So what does God look like? How did God come about? Was God ever in human form? And then what happened to God's human form?
4: Josh, <laughs> those are super good, difficult questions. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely. Uh, Say as Brett said at the beginning that I don't know the answer to all those questions. Um, but one thing that I have processed personally uh, in my life, and it's kind of just a whole philosophical um, thing, is that we we like to view the world through a lens um, of, of humans. Um, we like to say, well, where did it, you know where how, where did God come from? Who who put God there? Or how did God put Himself there? Um, and I think that that's something uh, that we can't quite answer because I, the way we're designed, we we have this finite view of of the world. We can't see the whole picture like he can, um, and and so when we try and filter it through that lens, when we try and say try and answer questions that we we may just not have all the information for. Um, it's really difficult to to put words to that. So some of those you know are difficult or impossible to answer as we currently exist. Um, but that I've definitely. I have always, through my whole life, processed some of those same questions, that same philosophical kind of implications of that, and it's, it's really interesting but difficult.
2: I, I think you're given a few indicators, but to say what, it, what does God look like, for one, there's a passage that said, He dwells in unapproachable light. Uh, that's in First Timothy, I think, uh, an unapproachable light. So w- whenever you, when you think about unapproachable light, uh, I like the combination of both those ideas. Like, first of all, f- tremendously bright light, but if it's unapproachable, then it's so bright and so burning that you can't get there. So that's the first glimpse of what he looks like. And there's also, you'll see things about visions of God that I, I think they're kind of metaphorical in, in the Old Testament, but they'll have things like that. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Well, I don't think that man, see he, he saw him like he was on top of the you know empire state building or something like that he meant something about his view of him automatically meant that his authority was just overwhelming and then the other answer is i always just go with jesus because we saw today if you're in church we said the the book uh the passage in Colossians says, all his fullness dwells in him. So whatever words, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Uh, Now, the only problem is we don't know what Jesus looked like either. We all have a feeling that he had long hair and a beard and all that sort of thing. It's probably not true. Like he looked like one of the Doobie brothers or something, but uh, he, he was walking around as a man. So we at least know that much that he has allowed himself to be seen face to face and as a person. So,
1: Picture. Remember you showed that picture a while back oh, yeah, about yeah. what Jesus actually may have looked like historically? Yeah,
2: they did. a composite image of yeah. a typical Palestinian first-century Jewish person, which is what he would have been. And some scholars all got together and they said, this is, might have been what he looked like just based upon all the things that they know about. So, and he doesn't quite look like one of the Doobie Brothers. I, I'm showing my age by bringing out Doobie Brothers illustrations. <laughs> So I'm, I'm probably
4: going to get in trouble with uh, having to ask Brett on, on you know, some of the answers here, but um, there is a passage and I can't reference it right now. I'm, I'm hoping that someone can jump in with the assist, but there's a passage that says that just to echo what Brett said, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so looking at Jesus to see what God kind of looks like um, is, is, a, is a really kind of a cool indicator on like who God really was, because Jesus was kind of the... Um, the image of that. Where's that reference, Brett?
2: Oh, where's the reference? Wait, wait. The, uh, which which reference you talking about? The
4: Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So, uh,
2: where's the reference? No, no,
4: the you the, should get in the, trouble. the. I know, I am in trouble. The passage. Is that the the Colossians? Oh, that's why I know it right. Well, yeah, this yeah, I thought minute. that was a put on. This is like. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Man, oh man. Look, we're going
4: to have to edit this I, one out I, I, a little I thought bit you were trying to Look, or It's, it's in like, my Whoa. heart <laughs> Brad It's in my heart I just can't quite image, articulate where it came from today. God. <laughs> where did it
2: come from It came about a half hour ago <laughs> in thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I probably in wrote it when... in my
4: notes and everything it's, <laughs> Yeah exactly
2: It's in the Christ hymn of Colossians That's the one we're repeating And we're going to say it all together again next week but That's where it is. Yeah, is I'm going
4: to write it down word for word next <laughs> that's week That's the best That was
2: awesome Any other
1: questions on that topic? Anything? What'd you think about that picture of like the composite of what Jesus might have looked like that I showed you? A little bit different maybe than what was hanging on your grandma's wall or something back in the day. Yeah. 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 The what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so kind of cool. I remember we flashed that up on the screen one time early on. I was like, Whoa, it was like really huge. So yeah, it was kind of cool. But anyway, okay, so I'm uh, switching back over to sin a little bit here, We're gonna talk about sin. So good question that came in. So once you sin so many times, if it continues to be the same sin that we have repented for over and over, does he stop forgiving us? So if you continue to do the same sin over and over and you're trying to live Christian life, trying to be a Christian, and you keep doing the same things over and over. Does
2: God forgive us for those sins? I said that was a doctor Rachel one, if there ever was one. So you fire <laughs> away. Um,
3: this I had a really hard time um, putting together some thoughts on this one. So I'm going to share my thoughts. I don't know that it answers all of it, um, but my like just first reaction was, does He ever stop forgiving us? No. Um, that's just not in His nature. And um, there's nothing about what we know of Jesus that says that. Um, his grace ends. In fact, the Bible always talks about how far his grace extends. Um, another thing I came across when I was kind of looking into this answer was, um, you know, so no, I don't think he ever is going to be unwilling to forgive us. But somebody posed an interesting question. Are we asking him to forgive us? Are we asking him to excuse us? Um, because being excused for something is more like, you did it, but I can see why you did it, and you're not really, I, you know, you didn't have any other options, so it's okay. Um, that's different for forgiveness. When you ask for forgiveness, it's an admission on our part that, like, we messed up, that we didn't get it right, no matter what the excuse, um, and that we need God's grace to pick up from there and move on. And so... I think, you know, the question then becomes if we're going over and over to God and asking him for forgiveness of the same thing, like, what, what can we do next, you know, and you can't do it in your own power, you know, we're very weak, we, we make the same mistakes over and over, um, but there are a lot of passages that kind of address, like, how to pick up after that, um, and about, like, the solution to that, and a lot of it has to do, um, I think, with just trying to put one foot forward and make the next right decision, Um, And I've got some passages here, but I wish I'd like printed out the passages instead of just written them down like I was going to look them up on my phone every time because that's a little more stressful. Um, (laughs) Those are kind of my initial thoughts, so I'm going to let you guys jump in.
2: (laughs) I think it's very important to make a distinction, though, between position and experience, position and experience. What Christ did for all of us is he changed our position before God, meaning our status, our our because before you come to Christ and ask him to forgive your sins and apply the atoning sacrifice of the cross that we talked about today to your life, you are, you're not a child in the sense. You're not a child in the house. You're, uh, you're a defendant in the courtroom. All of us are, all of us are kind of have that, that relationship with God is we're the defendant he's the judge. But if we apply and trust in Christ, your relationship goes to child in the house. And that's a completely different thing. And that and that forgiveness is taken care of, period. You literally come into the house, you literally are a child, and and so then Experience is all about the relationship after it happened, and, and I don't know how many have kids around here or whatever else, but I know that a child in the house is, uh, you know, my children, I've got three children, and there's breaks in the relationship, there's things that, but the, their status never ever changes, and the love never changes, even though there can be wrestling matches over what's forgiven, where it's, you know, I'll forgive them, but like she said, I love that line, you know, are we asking you to excuse, or are we asking you to forgive, and they, but that's a, that's a difference of experience experience and the ongoing relationship part but not your status if you've come to christ and you've placed your faith in him you you're a child in the house and that status is yours period and that's the that's the beauty that's why you get to go to heaven at all because that's where his children are that's where they reside
3: you know i think another thought i had on that is like if you do feel like you're kind of stuck in the pattern of asking forgiveness for the same thing over and over Um, I think we have to remember that we are we're not necessarily designed to walk out this faith on our own and I'm kind of guilty of that a lot of times trying to handle things on my own but if you find yourself in a spot where you keep doing the same thing over and over sometimes it's good just to reach out to another person so that they know where you are on that so that you can be lifted up in prayer so that you can be encouraged so that another person can share scripture with you so that you have some resources Um, because the Lord did not did not want for you to be stuck in the same sin he redeemed you and he has a life for you and um this this passage we don't have to read all of it now but it's in ephesians 1 and it's verses 17 through 23 and it talks about how um like god offers us the same power to live um, that he gave Christ when he raised him from the dead. And that's mm-hmm. a power that we have um, to walk in daily and to live in. And, and I don't understand all that, and I definitely don't get it right most days. Um, but I think that thing is, it's like just if you're stuck in a rut and you feel like you can't get out, um, you know, lift a hand up. Or let mm-hmm. someone help you out of that hole um, because we were meant um, to be there for one another and to, like, just love each other through those things.
1: I'll tell you for me, what's so cool about seeing this group like develop and grow and flourish, I, I know there's been times when I've gone here and I I was here on 1010. There's times when I'm more involved in a group and, and been serving on a team. It's always better than trying to do all this stuff alone and by yourself. And that's the power of the group that you guys are in right now. If you're having a bad day, talk to somebody. I mean, there's conversations that can be had and that are going on all the time, and this thing wasn't made to be done alone. So what Rachel's saying about finding somebody to lean on and talk to, very important, and that's why this <laughs> group's so cool. or One of the reasons it's so cool. Okay. Any other questions about that before we move on? We have a follow-up or anything? You're kind of quiet today. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll move on. So, next couple of questions. Um, it's about why bad things happen to good people? Okay, so there's a couple of questions. So I'll just read a little bit of this. So um, how can we have all the faith and trust in God when we can't see him and yet we call him God? And if he's real, then why did he let us do things that could hurt ourselves? Um, Another part of that is why do all the bad, why does all the bad actually happen in the world? Physical, mental, emotional abuse. There's so much pain and torture in the world. So why does all that happen? Um, kind of the, the part of the question about just why does God let all that stuff happen and why do those things go on in the world?
2: And I do look forward to Josh commenting on this.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going I'm to be the co-pilot
4: on this one. I'm going to let you yeah. jump in and lead this one. <laughs> um,
2: you know, obviously, that's, that's probably the most vexing one of all. Um, and, and what strikes me is a few things. Number one, uh, when you named off a number of those things, a lot of those things are perpetrated by what or who? It's by other people. I mean, I, I've, I've been in pastoral ministry for 25 years now, and I, I don't understand why there's natural disasters. I don't, I don't get that, you know, when there's floods or tornadoes and all that sort of thing, and and it's tragic, but What people have told me in my office about what other people have done to them pales in comparison to any natural disasters that we can't explain. And so and the explanation of that in the Bible is that we all, all of us, have sin that courses through our veins. We don't treat people like we should, and we do hurt people. We hurt them intentionally, we hurt them unintentionally, and that's present in the world. The Bible's very clear about that, that God set it up to be this ideal, and then he gave us choices that we could make and allowed us to go ahead and make those choices, and we went down roads that we shouldn't have gone. And about the time we think, well, those parents all the way back there did it, well, we all do it. Uh, you ever done anything that you knew for a fact you weren't supposed to do? I mean, I mean, we all have done that before. We, we saw this is the right way to go, I'm gonna go over there. Uh, and so, and when we do that, what happens? It's like this domino effect that damages people all around us, and and that's, that's where most of the pain comes from, if we're being really, really honest. And that doesn't get God off the hook in some ways in our minds, but I think we need to kind of take that a little bit more seriously. Our participation in the evil of the world is nothing to, uh, you know, take lightly. And But that's the beauty of Christ's sacrifice. That's, that's what I love about it is that even though we have done these damaging things to people, Christ died for us to, you know, to bring justice and also to bring life and forgiveness. So I think that's that's the root of it for me because God said it broke the whole system. And we're all experiencing the, the kind of the domino effect in every direction of people, people's errors. And that includes our own and our weaknesses. Yeah. You don't know, you don't know the effects that he can see the beginning from the end. Like I have a friend who was diagnosed with cancer. He was given six months to live and uh, he, he ended up living now 12 more years, but he will tell you, and he's told me this many times. He said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because there was something about that experience that just transformed him in his mind that brought something about that. He says, I never could have gotten here without that thing, even though when it first hit, it was the most devastating thing I've ever been through. So, you know, and sometimes God knows the end from the beginning when it comes to those things or all the time he does. But uh, you're right. That's a great point.
1: Okay. Any other questions on that topic? topic?
2: Bad things happen to
1: people sometimes. Thank you for sharing that, too. It's good. Okay, I've got one last question, and then we'll kind of open it up at the end just to see if there's any other questions. So, um, last question is, why doesn't God just reveal himself to us? So, kind of talking about just reveal himself, prove all this stuff's true. Why didn't he just reveal himself?
3: I was really excited about this question, (laughs) Um, actually. um, So, I think, you know, I don't want to dismiss the intent of the question because I think probably the question is asked in such a way like why can't we just sit and talk with god why can't we see him touch him have those kind of encounters um and and i don't know the answer to that i know some people have had encounters like that and that happens in the bible um but it may not happen to most of us that way while we're on earth um so for me um i get really excited about the other ways that i would say god reveals himself or his nature and so um There are kind of three things that I think about. I think about like he just physically reveals himself in nature. Like if you think about the fact that God designed all the things that he designed, then, um, you know, sometimes they show videos and pictures of all the things God has made. And if you have, if you have time and the right space and place, you can often appreciate that and realize that he is an amazingly creative God who designed things for you to enjoy, um, things for you to smell and see and taste and touch. And that is, um, that is sharing part of what he loves and his um, his desire to create things for us um, that we can enjoy. And so I think we see God um, in the created world. Um, I think that we also, um, he sent us Jesus because he knew um, that we needed to be able to see and understand who he was in a very real way. And even though I haven't m- met Jesus physically, like I didn't live back then, God was kind enough that he left his word. And so his word is him revealing himself to me. Those stories about everything he did from the beginning to the end is a story of how God loves his people. And so for me, um, I do really, I do, I'm I'm like kind of hokey and cheesy. I really do like love the word um, because I feel like um, I learn more about who God is through that than a lot of other things. And that's not true for every believer. Lots of us find inspiration and closeness to God in lots of ways. But for me, his word is part of him revealing himself to me. There's just so much in it. Um, And even though I'm 42 and I've really like been in my word and reading the Bible since I was young, like third or fourth grader, I can remember kind of seeking out some of the stuff. And don't get me wrong. I'm not like saying I'm pouring like hours of time into this every day, but I'm just saying the Lord put something in my heart to like his word, um, from when I was, um, young. Um, Sorry, my husband and my son are making hand signals over there that's like terribly distracting. Oh, I'm 43. I may have said my my name wrong. I'm 43. But anyway, I still feel like after years of reading my Bible, there is still so much more. I and mean, some of it's stuff I don't understand. Um, and But I don't let that discourage me. I just look at it as opportunities that the more... That I read it or the older I get, perhaps God will help me see it differently. Um, and that He continues to reveal himself to me through that. So I like that question. That's a good one.
2: And you handled it. Very good. There you go. Yeah, Josh, Thanks. I would done. follow that buddy. No. That. <laughs> I'm, done. I'm done.
0: All right. Well said. <laughs> cool.
1: Okay, we're gonna open it up um, just to some other questions, uh, while you've got these guys here. God that punishes people. If you do things wrong, does God punish us for those things that we've done wrong?
2: My short answer is yes, and for the reason we were talking about today, we all have a sense of justice. Like any show you watch, you know, we we, we played the you know uh, the scene from The Lion King at the beginning, and Scar is built up to be this evil character throughout the whole thing, right? Well, what if nothing happened to him at all? It was just kind of, a, and he could go on being evil. He could go on, but well, all of us know that's a, that's that's a break. That's what's wrong. But the beauty of it is, and that's a, the beauty of Christ's coming, is just that. Yeah, how do you uphold justice and punish a scar, but at the same time offer forgiveness? That's what the cross is. That's why I believe it so deeply because it has both going on at the same time. He, he in effect, he punished himself so you wouldn't have to be. And so, but we all know whenever wrong things happen and you see things in the news every day that you think, man, somebody's paid for that. That's wrong. I mean, there's the sex trafficking that's going on uh, in Thailand and places like that, that the people that are doing that are exploiting little children. Well, of course, yeah, we want them to be punished, but at the same time, we want justice done. But, you know, there, there's also, how do you get mercy and honor justice? And that's what the cross is. So I say yes, but I always would point to, the cross itself. And so you don't have to be punished if you trust and have faith in him.
3: Um, so I think that's right. The question is, um, are we, do we experience the wrath of God now? Like, because of the things that we have done, um, because of our sins, do we experience the wrath of God? Um, is that kind of a good paraphrase? Okay. Um, I think I would start with like, I think we experience the consequences of sin. And that is different than punishment from God. And so I think there are things that we do that things play out in such a way that it's, it's a natural consequence of that. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but um, and I have two kids, so I should have like a wealth of examples here. Um, a really, really simple one would be like if I give JP a really nice toy and he breaks it he's lost it and he doesn't have the toy. He doesn't get to play with it anymore. And that's gone. I can forgive him for breaking it, but that doesn't undo what he did. I can't necessarily put it back together. Um, so I think sometimes we experience consequences of our actions that are just kind of the result of decisions that we made. But the grace in that, I think, is that God says, I forgive you. Um, and I will walk with you through whatever those consequences are. And sometimes I think he does rescue us from those consequences. There's no doubt that sometimes there is a reprieve. There is, um, there, you know, we, we are kind of, we, we get out of whatever it was that should have been the natural consequence. Um, but sometimes I think we just have to live out the consequences of what happened. Um, and some of that has to do with the fact that, like, we, we can we can be repentant in our heart, and we can control um, our reaction to the situation. But if we hurt another person, we can't necessarily control their response to the situation. And so sometimes those broken relationships, we may be in a place where we're ready to redeem that, but maybe the other person isn't. And so there are a lot of things like that that are really hard. Um, but I don't necessarily view them as God's punishment, but more just the fact that we live in a fallen world. We make decisions that aren't within god's will and there's a fallout because of that sometimes but we're not alone in it and it's not a hopeless situation Um, and often we can't see the solution to the situation but god has a solution in mind and it may be a long time before we can look back and see how that played out so that things work together for the good um and there's scripture about that but it that's not always what we're able to see in the moment. I don't know if that answers a lot, but maybe it's a springboard for someone you else know, to kind what, of help. What
2: strikes me, too, is it goes back to the difference between position and experience. Your position when you come in Christ is, is changed from someone who is outside of being a child of God to inside. You are now in the house. But well, what changes when with a child? Uh, and, and the Bible says that you are delivered from the wrath of God. You, you don't undergo His wrath, that justice, that outpouring of wrath that was done for Christ, uh, where Christ stood in your place. Well, now you're in a relationship, but it does say in Hebrews that he disciplines us like a a good father and, and everyone undergoes discipline. Every child does, you know, if you, if you have children, you, you, there's, there's this discipline thing that happens and there's a big difference. I heard someone say that, uh, wrath looks backwards. Discipline looks forward. The the reason you discipline your children is kind of, okay, we're going to go through discipline now so that your future will be better. And that and that's the difference between in the relationship you currently have that's why everything comes back to the cross everything comes back to your relationship with christ does that make sense uh or maybe not or <laughs> so okay good
1: all right so i have a question so you were baptized here in june right you were baptized in june can you guys really hear everybody yelling when you come up out of the water yes. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> just, I was just checking to make sure that you could hear that. So I would encourage you guys because we're, we're doing we're doing baptism on December 8th. Please be here for that. I mean, really, we want everybody to be screaming and yelling. And I think some of the some girls in your group have been through baptism class already. So I would encourage you all to make sure that you're here that day and make sure we're as loud as possible. and We're cheering them on because I think it does make a difference when you come up out of there and you've just been baptized
2: no labeling one thing punishment versus another thing I I, I believe children are lost for any number of reasons Uh, one because we live in a fallen world one uh, and I don't think and there's nothing in the scriptures that would point us to help us understand the difference all I know is that if you've come to Christ you're now a child and that his that delivers you from his wrath which is that that anger against uh, sin that we all have. We all experience that, like scar experience from uh, what, what's the Blind line? Uh, but the simba. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So so <laughs> that's the punishment of evil. But now that you've been removed from that, you're his child and he's gonna walk you through discipline stuff. But I can't say that if you lost a child, that's God disciplining you. I don't we're not given permission to even say what what is what is discipline versus I think children are lost. In the book of Job, children are lost because of Satan himself, and we live in a fallen world. There's all those kinds of things. So we need to be careful that we don't label things one way or the other. As a child, though, you are loved, and therefore even negative things are ultimately for his good in the same way they are for my kids. I've never once punished them in the sense of rejection. I always punish them in the sense of helping their future and helping them actually draw close to me and draw close to their, uh, their better future. Didn't you say the sure
4: punishment was difficult?
2: Yes, yeah, when it comes to wrath and justice and all that, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But it does say he disciplines us for our good, good. and, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, Well, the question was, what if you, what if you, you ask for forgiveness, but what if you can't forgive yourself? Forgive someone else, okay. Um, For me, the very fact that you're trying so hard is an indication that you, Have. I've learned that forgiveness is a process. It really is. I mean, I I can go through the action of it, but, and if I feel like, and and a lot of it's just my emotion. You know, if if you've gone through the process of forgiving someone and you kind of have the emotion that maybe you haven't forgiven them, well, I mean, you have, but you're also in the process, in my mind. Uh, So you've probably forgiven that person a lot more than you think you have, or you wouldn't worry about it. If you really hadn't forgiven them, you just openly sit right there and just want vengeance and that's the end of the story right but if you're even concerned about it to me you're a lot further along the track than you probably give yourself credit for
4: yeah i think the like just asking the question kind of conveys your intent um that you are kind of really navigating through that and I, I think that forgiveness sometimes can be misconstrued with just forgetting something and i don't think that those two things are necessarily um always together just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to forget um, What they've done, and and like Rachel said, some some of that could also be a natural consequence. Like if if someone has wronged you in a way that has you know kind of changed the way you're gonna you're gonna interact with that person, you can forgive them, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have to place yourself in, in a situation, interact with that person in a way that that could happen again, and that could be a relational natural consequence between you and that other person. You can forgive them, but. Um, it, It doesn't always mean that, you know, that relationship will
2: be the same as it was before. What helped me with forgiveness was forgiveness is not calling a bad thing a good thing. That helped me. It's not ever saying that what you did wasn't bad. It was bad. That's why there's something there to forgive. But sometimes I think we get in this mentality where we almost have to get to this place. Well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, it was a huge deal. But what it also says, and Jesus used this analogy a lot, money, it means you don't owe me anything. In the end, you owed me money. You owed me five hundred dollars. You don't owe me the five hundred dollars anymore. Now I may remember the fact you owe me five hundred dollars, but you're not. I'm not requiring that of you anymore. I'm, I've absolved myself of whatever I think you owe me. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Any other questions? Okay. Good deal. Well, I appreciate you guys letting us come here. Um, kickstart first of all and then do follow-up questions like this as well so thank you very much for the opportunity to be here it was really cool some really great questions and I think uh, by doing this podcast others are gonna be able to hear the answers to these questions and to learn some stuff from this as well Uh, may have answers for questions that they have but they may not may not feel comfortable asking out loud so uh, so thank you for the time we appreciate it we are doing another kickstart class if you didn't get a chance to go through last time it's going to be like the second and third weekend of january there'll be details about that so just keep that in mind if you'd like to get the whole uh, kickstart experience and go through that uh, we will be doing that again in january once we get through the holidays so all right
3: thank you guys oh we
2: enjoyed it very much yeah. thank you for for listening and for being patient You're welcome <laughs>